Welcome to Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up of the political stories that we've been covering on One News. We're coming to you from the legendary TVNZ Beehive studio. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Benedict Collins. And it's been a fun week for us here in the Beehive. Should we talk about our peaks first, do we think? Or should we... Or yeah, let's start with our should peaks. Should we start with our peaks? Who wants to start? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay, you go. Yeah, so my peak this week... Um, as we're going to see later on, I've got a track on this, but there was a big protest um, outside Parliament. People came from all over the lower North Island to protest about Jesus Christ having been taken out of Parliament's prayer. Now, interesting bunch out there, as you'll see later, but uh, what we do as journalists uh, for some stories is we go out and we vox pop the public, and that's like, you go and ask people, what do you think? And sometimes it's like going to the dentist. Uh, you know, you just come across these... People who don't know anything, won't string a word, can't string a sentence together. Scared of the camera. Uh, yeah, don't want to be involved. And it was it was the complete opposite. I think I went up to nine people and eight of them were happy to talk. That's a good hit, and, right? and a lot of them gave me really good sound bites. And you get back to the office and it's just like, ah, oh, it was magic. Praise be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think, I think some of the National Party caucus could um, take a lesson from these guys. All Ooh. of these people happy to comment, happy to, you know, have a quick yarn. It was really good. Oh, sick burn. I feel like I want an explanation to that. Yeah. Well, they kind of, you know, do the Jerry Brownlee storm past us on the way into caucus, it's don't they? It's quite dramatic you know? television you know? footage, though, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. What's yeah. your peak? <clears throat> my peak, my peak, actually, my peak is still coming up. Um, so tomorrow, Jess and I are headed to Dunedin, um, Dirty Dunners, some might call it. It's not going to be due this weekend, though. Um, we are going to the <laughs> Labour Party annual conference. It's six o'clock, by the way, guys. We're, we are recording this quite late, so I just want to put that little disclaimer out there, just in case it does get a bit Dirty Dunners up in here. Um, <laughs> We've run out of energy. Is what We've run saying. out of energy. It might be an interesting podcast. Stay, mm. stay tuned. As you'll see, I don't have my cup, so at least there's no <laughs> um, risk of spillage. But there is also no, no Red Bull, which is usually what's in my cup. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> um, so we're headed to the Labour Party annual conference this weekend. It's been a year since they've taken over as the government. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. As a Maori reporter, also I'm looking forward to the Prime Minister going to uh, see the Iwi leaders tomorrow we obviously know that they had a bit of a fallout over the water um, so it'd be interesting to see how that sort of rolls out I'm sure it'll be fine but it's about reading between the lines which is exactly what I'll be doing. Um, my peak and I, it's very important that everyone watches Benedict's face very closely when I say that my peak my peak was the royal visit this week and um, it was definitely a highlight um, we did a story on it last week asking people perhaps slightly um Uncharitable, considering they hadn't arrived yet, but do New Zealanders think it's a good use of taxpayer money? That was one of our One News comma brunch and poll questions. And the answer was nearly half of New Zealanders said, no, we don't think it's a good use of taxpayer money. So um, I wonder, after all the hype and the pomp and the ceremony, maybe if it would be a slightly different result after all of that. But I quite enjoyed doing that story. So that was my peak. Um, my pit, I, this is... This is slightly off topic, but you know the line bikes that everyone's been talking about? I think they're great. I've used them. Um, in Austin, Texas, I spent three days scooting around on line bikes. They're fabulous. They change the way you get around the city. Everyone's been so negative about them, and that has been... its I've raged every time someone's talked about it. So that's definitely my pitch this week. It is quite spectacular, the coverage that we've had about yeah. line scooters. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, I mean, how, I, I, I even know that there were 13 claims to ACC last week. I mean, how do I know that? Like, what? Yeah, but people get ACC. Like, there's an extraordinary amount of people who get ACC claims for a fridge falling on them or for, like, there's, there's crazy ACC claim stats. I just don't think 13 is that large a number. And a local government councillor nearly got hit by one, you know, yeah. that hit the news too. We just need to learn to share the footpath. I think they're great. Mm. I just want to put that in there. Could have been hit by a fridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll check up on the stats of that next time and let you know. Um, my pit, and I couldn't think of anything really, so I'm going to have to go with something personal as well. Um, but it's the fortnight hangover, guys. It's the fortnight hangover. On the weekend, it was my six-year-old's birthday, and we had about ten six-year-olds sleepover, and we played. We had three TVs set up with three Xbox consoles. We were playing Fortnite hardcore until 1am and then I was like hey guys gotta go to sleep you're six, you're six. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm supposed to be responsible um, and honestly I've been tired ever since um, but I am converted to Fortnite and it is it's great but it's tiring also because you stay up all night it's, a good, it's another good disclaimer though for our performance in the podcast a little bit later it's good yeah. the hangover continues the hangover continues Benedict mm. And I, I think my pit would be Jess's peak. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I mean, seriously, how much attention is devoted to? So to you the didn't royal enjoy tour. it, not even a little bit. But, I mean, most of the time, the most interesting thing they can tell you about them is, you know, what clothes she's wearing. Did Karen you Walker jacket loved it. Did you watch any of it? Though? I tried not to. I but tried you to did, though, out. didn't you? Well, it's hard not to, isn't it? You know, Did you get one throwing. little tiny bit of enjoyment from anything? Not one. No. Okay. Well, on that note, mm. um, <laughs> let's let's go to one of the big stories of the week, and that was Judith Collins getting some more attention. Darren Jane and Fletcher Ross posing for photos at the weekend. They're among the first recipients of a Kiwi-built home paying 649000 for the three-bedroom house. We felt like we won the lotto. Even getting a housewarming present. So I'm hoping that it won't grow too, too big. <laughs> but what has grown is negative online attention on the couple, including from Judith Collins. A screenshot of a romantic message written by the couple says, 2004 countries plus seven seas, and I had the privilege of meeting you, has been circulating on Twitter. Judith Collins retweeted the message saying 204 countries maybe doesn't need taxpayer support, hashtag just saying. She's got a whole bunch of National Party trolls piling in on them. I happen to know that that young couple have taken their social media profiles offline. They feel bullied. He needs to just calm right down. Judith Collins says it's not about the couple. When you've got a $2 billion programme that taxpayers are having to stump up for, we are entitled to ask about the eligibility requirements. I'm more than happy to have that debate about policy, but that doesn't justify victimising people on the internet. I think what we've got from Phil Twyford is a guy we know is under pressure. There aren't even 204 countries. Judith Collins talked tough on cyberbullying when she was a minister. She's also been getting a lot of attention lately for nipping at the heels of Simon Bridges in our One News preferred Prime Minister poll. Darren and Fletcher will soon be moving in and are keen to move on from all this attention. So what you got? It was really smooth. She <laughs> obviously didn't quite have enough time to do it. Um, what you've got there is you've got a a couple who have come out and have been sort of the poster children for this new announcement, and then suddenly attention 
turns on them and it's not their fault they haven't done anything mm. wrong and then suddenly they're getting um, all these trolling messages from people talking about and, and going into their personal life and that's the thing that that's why people were raising questions over all this because that's what happens when you in television in particular having those personal examples is really important to us to show people yeah. it's couples like these to kind of give it that real life context yeah. right and then and they and i wonder you know whether labor and the government are going to look back at this and go you know do we need to be a lot more careful about bringing people you know, putting people up as, you know, bringing them well, in. people just won't want to. Why exactly, right? Like, yeah. hey, you, you've just got your first home, it's supposed to be this big celebration, and then you've got all these people, you know, coming after you, attacking you on social media. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And I, But I don't know whether I, whether I think that what Judith Collins did was actually that bad, but I also think, you know, when a senior politician like that does take action on social media, they're going to be aware that people are going to come in behind them and, and you know, go yeah. on the attack, right? And that's the point. It's maybe not so much her. She retweeted something, right? But yeah. when she does something, she's a very high-profile member of the party. She's got a huge following behind her. She's very active on Twitter. When she does something, the trolls or her supporters or her followers all flock in behind her, and that's when things get messy. I think I think um, that it was... It was not cool. It was. I think it was bad taste um, on the part of Judith Collins. I feel like you know she's saying that um, she has a right and, and a duty as a politician to um, uh, question eligibility. Sure, do that. Put in written questions. Put in an OIA. Ask a question in the house, but don't go on to a private couple's personal um, page and use it as um, unfounded, baseless ammo when she really didn't know the backstory of, um, say, you know, their income and whatnot. I mean, and sort of invite that sort of intrusive um, attack um, that those that couple then faced. I think it was poor taste, and I think she could have done it, um, raised the eligibility issue without going personal. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of a story I did earlier this year, um, where I did a story looking, you know, with the um, single mums who wouldn't identify the dads of their children for various reasons, and, and for often for really good reasons, and how they could have their benefits cut. Um, basically, the politicians in the story were all like, you know, this we need to change this. And, and basically we had, you know, the real person come forward as well and sort of talked about her experience and why she didn't name the partner. And after the story went to air, we put it up on social media as well. <clears throat> and these people just came for it and, you know, attacked her. You know, I felt terrible as being, you know, having put the story up on social media and, or, you know, having done the story, having never sort of anticipated that there'd be all those people out there willing to, you know, come and attack a, you know, a New Zealander who's, you know, they're not powerful in a position of power or anything like that, but that she just came under such sort of enormous and fierce criticism. And they're, t they're not expecting it, right? You, you sort of, you're involved in a story and then, boom, you're just getting smashed. It's I guess digressing a little, but it's also interesting, this whole new world of social media mm. because people are prepared to say things there that they would never in a million years say in real life but feel a degree of anonymity because mm. they've got that <clears throat> layer of separation be between them. So it is um, having things on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, it does create the audience there but it also brings with it things like that and I guess that's what that 
young couple yeah. are discovering. Well, too. a pretty horrible week for them, I imagine. Yeah, yeah I mean, think, think, especially when you just bought your first home, yeah. right? It's yeah. supposed to be a time of celebration, super excited, would never have thought perhaps that they would get onto the property market. Um, and then and then they were lucky enough. They even said in the story that they felt like they won the lotto. And boy, would that story have changed once um, that tweet was sent out by Judith Collins. And I just think that people in those positions, MPs, they need to be more responsible when they're dealing with the lives of private citizens, um, especially when they're using them as, as you know a, a form of attack um, against the government. Um, sure, do that, but do it in a way that doesn't bring you know private citizens into it. Well, yeah, politicians are fair game, right? <laughs> you know, it's rough and tumble. Mm. Go and for so it's policy, right? I'm, I'm not criticising, yeah, yeah. The, the, the questioning of, of the issue, um, but it's just, I just think, I just thought it was poor taste bringing that couple into it. What a bummer mm. to, to get your first home like that and then be subjected to that kind of... Yeah, intrusion. Well, perhaps buying a property in the Auckland housing market is a bit of a miracle, which segues us nicely to (laughs) Benedict's story on the Parliament prayer. The heavens were open, but they still came in their hundreds to protest at Parliament today. They were angry with this man, the Speaker for giving Jesus the boot from Parliament's prayer. We're standing up for righteous here today. That's what we're standing up for, guys. For Jesus Christ! From all walks of life, they came with a message. I think he needs to hear the voice of the people. My message to him is that, um, you know, God God loves him, and but God sees what he's doing. And one man decides he doesn't want to have Jesus' names in a prayer. We're here to say, hey, you know, you need to listen to the people. Respectfully, Mr Mallard, please at the request of the people in this nation, uh, reinstate the name of Jesus Christ to the parliamentary prayer. The parliamentary prayer has been a contentious issue for a number of years. Trevor Mallard wouldn't be interviewed today, but he says he respects the right of these people to protest. While Parliament still has its daily prayer... Almighty God, we give thanks for the blessings which have been bestowed on us. The reference to Jesus Christ went last year. The Speaker's rationale is that the new prayer is more inclusive and politicians are divided over whether it's the right thing to do. Well, it's there before. If you're going to make a change, let's have Parliament decide, not one person. I think it's a right to have the word God in there. I think having Jesus Christ was very specific to one faith. Others say a prayer has no place in Parliament. I just don't happen to think that there's a role for the church in government or government in the church. Uh, It would be ridiculous to try and mention all the gods in prayer, so how about maybe no religious belief in Parliament? Today's rally fell on deaf ears, with the Speaker ruling out a resurrection. Well, this is an issue that keeps popping up again and again. Um, I think uh, I remember... David Carter, the previous speaker, he had a look at maybe changing the prayer and then backed down. I think National sort of said, no way, you're not doing it. And then uh, the current speaker, Trevor Mallard, obviously came in, um, you know, and, and removed Jesus Christ from there. Part of me is kind of surprised that so many people turned up to protest, given that, you know, they still reference God and uh, you know, in, in the prayer, you know, but they're that upset that Jesus Christ was removed from it. Um, yeah, what did you guys think? I guess that I, the flip side of it is that... A, you know, New Zealand was founded on Christian principles, and a lot of people identify with being Christian. My good Catholic um, school upbringing um, ties into that as well. So I think there is a lot of that around. Um, I think that perhaps he should have consulted on it before making a decision and gone out and talked to people about it. I think that there would have been a lot of MPs, particularly in the National Party, who would have said, no, we'd rather just keep it how it is. 
but it's it people feel passionately about it and it was really interesting to see uh, the other argument is do we even have a prayer at parliament at all like is that something that um should even be part of the mix so I don't know, what do you reckon? Yeah, it is a tricky issue, um, and, and it is surprising that Trevor Mallard did make the call on his own. I mean, obviously you can see it from both sides, because yes, this issue has been raised a number of times in the past, um, and obviously there hasn't been um, consensus reached, and so perhaps it did take the decision of one man. Um, but then, obviously in your story, we heard from Winston Peters, who's been around here a long time, and who said that, you know, if you're going to make a huge change like that in Parliament, consult those members of Parliament um, who are there to represent their constituents, at least they could go back, talk to their constituents and sort of get a feeling from their um, their communities about what they're thinking and then perhaps it would have more weight behind the decision. I think I think you do open yourself up to more criticism when you're one man making a huge call over such a traditional piece um, of parliament, right? It's been around for years um, and if you're going to make that call then you have to stand by it and you're the only one standing there because you're the only one who made the call. So yeah, it's a bit tricky. The other thing is like what happens when the next speaker comes in and wants to reverse it? I mean, if, if it had been a decision made by, say, a majority, at least you'd have that to stand by and say, well, you can't just flip and change because that, that's the worst thing if we see like chop and changing on something that is quite traditional and shouldn't be sort of kicked around like a political fit football. Yeah, I don't know though, because you know, I, I do think you know, New Zealand's increasingly changing culturally, that it's more diverse. Um, there are those arguments. And then when I was outside chatting to the protesters and that, I'd say, hey, but you know, lots of people in New Zealand don't even believe that there is a God. So what, you know, why should the New Zealand parliament be you know, saying a prayer to, to Jesus Christ and to God, you know, if, if society is not even in agreement that, you know, God and Jesus, you know, well, God exists, right? And they, and then they would often say, oh, hey, well, you know, look at the national anthem, your sort of argument, you know, like you can take it back. There's, you know, Christian background in, in New Zealand culture. And that was their argument. But then I kind of look, you know, and I look at what um, David Seymour said in that story. Like he doesn't feel that God has any place in politics and politics doesn't have any, any place in the church either. And, and then I, you know, I think about state schools, right? Like religion, you're supposed to keep religion out of state schools. What's it doing in Parliament? Yeah, I guess the other aspect is that it's not like they um, listen to the prayer because it's like the prayer goes boom and then they're straight mm. into it, snapping at each other, um, throwing insults across the house. So it's not like it's the calming, dignified yeah, yeah, yeah. thing <laughs> yeah, of the yeah, church. Yeah, yeah, it's basically yeah. like, and the prayer, boom, there we go and get into it. I you go. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, just for fun fact, that I was actually thinking before that maybe they do need the prayer, though, like to keep them all <laughs> safe spiritually and yeah. for well-being purposes, right? Because sometimes Parliament can get quite scrappy, quite nasty. And I think a little prayer just to give everyone a cloak of like kaitiakitanga, manakitanga might, might be in order maybe in this place. Maybe a little place. yoga at the, at the <laughs> beginning, a little bit of well-being, a well-being moment. And they could do it how they wanted to do it. This is great. We should suggest yeah, that. I think they'd totally. really be into it. The other thing we saw, though, is that this isn't a new thing um, and a little bit of a treat for us to see my former political editor with this story. Politicians may come and go, but one thing in Parliament remains. Almighty God. Humbly acknowledging our need for thy guidance in all things. The prayer which opens each sitting day. But the changing face of MPs and the people they represent leads Matt Robson to believe it's time to ditch the Christian prayer. Parliament is the people's parliament and therefore what I'm asking Parliament to do is to reflect the needs of modern society and represent everybody. That's prompted a call for the Human Rights Commission to investigate. 
the Human Rights Commission come down and say this is illegal, which is a possibility, then uh, Parliament will have to make sure that it acts uh, legally. That's brought a sharp rebuke in Parliament and in the Church. The last thing that Parliament needs is a bunch of pointy-headed, politically correct busybodies telling us whether we can have a prayer or not. Well, I can just imagine climbing off the plane at Iraq or Iran or some other place in the Middle East, demanding that they change from what they do because of they uh, happen to uh, be offending my views. I suppose when we cut out references to God and, and so on, we might as well be singing Walsing Matilda or a New, New Zealand version of that. While about half the population consider themselves Christian, there's been a big growth in other religions, about 40,000 Hindus and Buddhists and 23,000 Muslims. MPs are reluctant to shun tradition. A similar case against the North Shore City Council was unsuccessful and experts believe a win for Mr Robson would need something close to divine intervention. So nice to see Guy and Espiner with that story there and just goes to show politics sometimes repeats itself. You know? mm. Sure does, and there's a nice little line with the divine intervention. Yeah, mm. there you go, there you go. Um, you were very restrained with your um, puns. You s slipped a few in there, but um, I feel like they normally get edited out. <laughs> yeah, and this one got through. It was good. Mm. It was very nice. Um, the other big story that we've been covering this week has been this immigration case. So let's have a look at that now. I'm back. He's back, all right, and haunting the government again. The minister forced to reconsider his decision to allow Carol Schrobeck, also known as Jan Antolik, New Zealand residency. This is a very serious matter as far as I'm concerned, so I am taking advice. Carol Schrobeck should be deported. That was always the right decision. The kickboxer is from Czech Republic. He's a convicted drug smuggler, gang associate and came into the country on a fake passport. He was allowed to stay in New Zealand because there were concerns he'd be killed if he returned home. Turns out there are reports he's been back to the Czech Republic. Ian Lees Galloway was basing us on the fact that uh, this Czech citizen, man was uh, not safe in Czech Republic. Um, actually a Google search would have shown him the parole board, the Court of Appeal disagreed with him. The minister's refusing to give details. Obviously as a minister uh, I rely on the information that I am provided. I have to make decisions based on that information. I need that information to be sound. He hasn't got the judgement, he hasn't got the skills and he should resign. The Prime Minister forced to defend her minister. The minister made the decision based on the information he had at the time. An embarrassing development. I, I certainly wish that this wasn't the case. The Immigration Minister is now getting urgent legal advice to see what he can do. So there have been some developments in that story um, in the last 24 hours. Basically, the minister has now launched an investigation into Immigration New Zealand to make sure that he had all of that information. And there are all sorts of allegations going through the House as well that he, of course, went back to the Czech Republic. So it's going to last for three weeks, like I said in the story, but that is going to be very, very tough for Mr Lees Galloway. It's... Um, He's under pressure with the story. It's interesting though too, I think when you look back at, like this guy seems to get himself caught up in the courts like repeatedly, he has a pretty good track record of actually of getting off um, charges, but judges also repeatedly sort of found that he would be in danger if he was to return home, so they'd, you know, they'd quash charges and stuff like that, so that he wasn't up for deportation. 
It was interesting today, there was a change in, of language from the minister. Yesterday mm. he was saying um, there are you know, fresh concerns, fresh information. Today he was very careful to use the word allegations. So there are fresh allegations um, made. So I just think he's he's shifted a little bit, perhaps with a mind that this may end up in the courts and he has to be very, very careful. Um, I guess also the fact that I, I asked him directly, said, you know, look, do you have evidence of this? And he said, no, these are allegations at this point at this stage. If there was an easy solution, we would have, he's had um, from yesterday afternoon till, you know, he's had almost 24 hours. Yeah. If, if they'd been able to quickly find that there'd been a mistake or, oops, we didn't pass this information from this person, we would have seen that corrected. So there's obviously more to it than that. Yeah, there is more to it. And, and what we've heard from the minister is that basically he didn't get all of the information put in front of him and that's probably one of the key things here and that's what the opposition, the National Party are going hard in on, um, basically suggesting <coughs> that perhaps Ian Lees Galloway should have done a simple Google search. Well, sorry, but ministers aren't here to Google search you know, major decisions that they're making, that's the job of officials and so I'd be interested to see how this investigation rolls out for officials uh, surely there's got to be heads rolling here. But throwing if they officials and, yeah, but I mean, throwing officials under the bus, that's a, that's pretty big deal as well. You know? It's a big deal, and obviously it's not going to look good for the minister, but from you know um, an employee's perspective, you know, you've got to do your job, and when officials yeah. aren't putting crucial information like court documents in front of the minister when he's making a huge decision like that, that has to be called into question. You wonder, though, how much information sharing is going on you know, between departments, what they knew. I mean, we've filed official information at request trying to see, trying to get a hold of the information that was put in front of him. I think another really interesting uh, thing that's going on here is talk about whether or not he is actually um, subject to an extradition request from the Czech authorities, because when he came up in front of the parole board, I think last month, um, they mentioned that there was an extradition request for him back to that original murder case where... It's a bit murky, but it sounds like he was a witness and then faced a small charge in relation to that. Um, you know, they're saying they're aware of an extradition request. Um, <clears throat> and Andrew Little, the Justice Minister, again today saying, no, there is no request there. He said that the Czech authorities did uh, make contact. Yeah, yeah, they, the, yeah. Or they made contact about it yeah. and kind of raised the prospect of, yeah. yeah, the potential of doing it, but they have not done so. Yeah. So it seems. You know, we need to get more details. Of what, you know, why is the parole board? Why are they? You know, why are they saying that if it's not the case? It's all quite, you know, murky at the moment, isn't it? About what exactly yeah. what's gone on. And that's the thing with this open and transparent government that they've been pushing for. We need to know all of these things. So yeah. hopefully, in these three weeks, that will be cleared up. So we shall wait with bated yeah. breath for it, the results. What, what do you guys make? I mean, Simon Bridges, he's saying, you know, Ian Lee's Galloway should resign over this you know he's made a mess of it um you know and this guy's a threat he shouldn't be um allowed to remain in new zealand um what do you guys have you seen anything that would make you think that he should be resigning over this at the moment i, I don't think it's well, yeah. I was, I have been, that's, that's the other thing. I mean, while I said those stuff, the, the comments about officials not having brought all the information to the attention of the minister, that's one thing. The other thing that I've been watching closely, though, is how Ian Lee Galloway has handled this. And to me, looking at it, it looks like he's been caught on the back foot, absolutely. They're running around, calling press conferences at the last minute. They're really sort of chasing their, their tails on this one. He does look like he's under pressure. His office looks like they're under pressure. Um, and so this is obviously one of his biggest tests 
to date as Minister um, and how he handles it over the next three weeks with the investigation underway is going to be really telling. But in terms of resignation at the moment, of course not. There's no doubt that he's under pressure and no doubt that this is his responsibility. He has been clear, I made the call, me alone. The Prime Minister has been very quick to distance herself from it, saying if there's more information, I expect him to deal with mm. it. She's backed him up to saying he had the information made, you know, that he made the decision with the information he had to hand, but she has said, that's all you, buddy, you need to do that. He's now going to have to make sure that he asked all the right questions, that he um, had a robust and thorough process, and we are now going to all be able to go through and check that too. So he's going to be hoping very much that he dotted all his I's and crossed his yeah, T's. Yeah, I think he did say in one of his first press conferences out, like once this started to blow up, he went back through the file and went through it all again, and he was confident, you know, he he had made the right call given that information. So it's going to be fascinating mm. to see what exactly they did put in front mm. of him we, and, and what they left out, right? And perhaps we shall be the judge of that. We <laughs> shall see. Well, look, um, because it is quite late in the evening, we shall um, let everyone get home. Um, it's been great to have you with us on this week of Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering on One News. We're on Facebook, Twitter and on Instagram. It's available every Thursday evening slash Friday morning on the One News Facebook page and check us out on your favourite podcasting app and stay tuned over the weekend for our Labour Party coverage. Yeah.